0: Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 13 and verse 13. Chapter 13 and verse 13. When I was in Texas, I had a friend by the name of Johnny Witherspoon. Uh, he was a pastor of the church in the area. And one day we'd sat down and we were eating... Um, And he began to explain to me how he came to Christ. Uh, He was a scientist working in a lab, and somebody gave him the book by Josh McDowell entitled Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it's a big old uh, book, but he read that thing through cover to cover, and it convinced him of the truth of Christianity, and he gave his heart to Christ. And now he is a preacher in Texas. I want to tell you something. God can can change lives. God can reach down and touch somebody and bring them to him. We serve a God who is a living God, and uh, he is good. Uh, we need Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us need him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need a relationship with him. There's something deep in your heart that will never be satisfied until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are a child of God, you need to walk in close fellowship with him. You need him because he carries you through the times of life that are difficult and hard. Uh, He gives you grace and answers prayer. And He is the one who walks with you uh, each day of your life. Um, The scripture here, Paul is actually going and speaking at Antioch of Pisidia. It's, It's not the same Antioch that he was sent out from. But it's a it's a town he was going to, to share the gospel with. And he is giving a message in the synagogue there in Antioch, Pisidia. And he begins to share with them. It's a group of Jewish people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he shares with them what it is and then how to respond to Jesus Christ and receive the good things that he has to offer. Uh, and so... Uh, The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way to be saved for Jew and Gentile alike. And he's the way for you and for me to be saved. We need to put our trust in Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, you need to put your trust in him so that you can be saved from your sin. If you do know him, you need to put your trust in him every day because he is faithful. The title of my message is Choosing to Trust Jesus. Choosing to Trust Jesus. Jesus, and we're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. John, however, left them and went back to Jerusalem. They continued their journey from Perga until they reached Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any message of encouragement for the people, you can speak. Then Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, and he said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people chose um, our ancestors, exalted the people during their stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out with a mighty arm. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Then, destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave their land to them as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. After this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man loyal to me, who will carry out all my will. From this man's descendants, according to the promise, God brought the Savior, Jesus, to Israel. Before he came to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to the people of Israel. Then as John was completing his life's work, he said, Who do you think I am? I'm not the one, but look, someone is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, sons of Abraham's race and those among you who fear God, the message of this salvation has been sent to us for the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers, since they did not recognize him or the voices of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled their words by condemning him. Though they found no grounds for the death penalty, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had fulfilled all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. Since he raised him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will grant you the faithful covenant blessings made to David. Therefore, he also says in another passage, you will not allow your holy one to see decay. For David, after serving his own generation in God's plan, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and decayed. But the one God raised up did not decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. And everyone who believes in him is justified from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away because I am doing a work in your days, a work that you would never believe even if someone were to explain it to you. Choosing to trust Jesus. Why should we choose to trust Jesus? Well, the first reason we should choose to trust Jesus is because of God's goodness. God is good. And and He is faithful to us. Uh, In verse 16, He says, The God of this people... Israel chose our ancestors, exalted the people, and led them out with a mighty arm. He's talking about the Exodus. God brought the people of Israel. They were suffering in slavery and because God cared and God loved them. He brought them out of the land of Israel and gave them a hope and a future. He put up with them in the wilderness. Uh, Aren't you glad that God puts up with us? There are many times that I've not deserved His goodness I've not deserved his grace, but God has been good to me anyway. Praise God for that. He said he gave their land to them. If you've got a place to live, God's been good to you. He says he gave them judges, and he gave them Saul, and he raised up David as their king. I found David, the son of Jesse, uh, a man loyal to me who will carry out my will. So God gave them leadership in their country. Uh, That's a blessing. Uh, Leadership is a blessing. And then uh, he gave them godly leadership in David. That's an even greater blessing when you have leadership that seeks after God and it seeks to follow his will. God was good to them. I want you to know God's been good to me. God has answered prayers that I've prayed. Uh, I I can remember one uh, that we prayed when I was just a teenager and my, my dad called us in. My mother had gotten a job working on the other side of of Knoxville, and we needed a second car. Didn't have the money to get it. And so we, we all got down and we prayed and we asked God, Lord, would you give us a car? Uh, a few days passed, and uh, that Sunday night after church, my dad received a phone call from a man in his church who was a used car salesman. He said, he said Larry, he says, I've never done this before. He said, but I just can't, I just can't, hardly can't sleep. I, I just feel like God has put it on my heart. To give you a car, and so bring a dollar with you to make the transaction legal, and I want you to come over here, and I'm going to give you a car. And so he went, and we got a car. God's good. Now, you say, well, does God answer all your prayers? No. Well, He does. He says no sometimes, (laughs) but uh, you know, but but I share that with you just to show that God is good. God is faithful. Uh, We ought to trust him because he has shown himself good so many times. Uh, Perhaps the greatest thing in in my life that God has ever done for me is to give me his salvation. I want to tell you something. I I was guilty with nothing to say. But Jesus Christ died for my sin. And because I trusted in him and because Jesus paid my price for me, God gave me eternal life. Came into my heart, gave me his joy. I'm going to tell you something. I've got a hope. God's been good to me. Whatever may happen today or tomorrow, can I tell you, Jesus is coming back. I've got a hope. God has been good to me, and he's been good to you. Did you know the Bible says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust? That means those who know him and love him get rain. Those who don't know him or don't love him get rain. God is good, and He blesses even those who don't know Him. Uh, We all have received many blessings from God. That is a great reason to trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, Think about the good things that God has done for you. I heard one person say, God doesn't have to take your life. He just stops giving it. Did you know every breath that you have is a gift from God? God has appointed the days Uh, for you. So, uh, trust in God because He's good. Let His goodness, the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Let His goodness sink down deep into your soul, and think about the meals that you've eaten, and uh, the people that have had an influence on your life, and think about all the things God has given you in your family, the the good things, and, uh, and, and remember that God is the source of everything good in your life. Trust Him. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, put your trust in Him for your forgiveness for your sin. If you do know Him, put your trust in Him to care for you in the daily circumstances of life. Yes, even in times of suffering. Trust Him because He's good. Uh, So, uh, choosing to trust Christ, why should we trust Him? First of all, God's goodness. Secondly, God's Word. You ought to trust him because of God's word. Look at what he says in verse 23. For this man's descendants, he's talking about David, according to the promise, God brought the Savior Jesus to Israel. Uh, Down in verse 26, he says, Brothers, sons of Abraham's race. Uh, You see, there were uh, promises made in the Old Testament. The first one came to Eve and And uh, the Bible says that God was speaking to her and he said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent or the enemy, the devil. The seed of the woman. So there would come this future descendant of mankind who would crush the devil, who would take back what was rightfully uh, given to man. And Jesus came to do that. Uh, Later on, the promise was made to Abraham. God says, through your seed, through your descendant, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Can I tell you something? I'm not Jewish, but praise God, I've been blessed through a man called Jesus Christ. He changed my life and he gave me a hope in the future. I want you to know people all over the world, there are people who have been set free from sin, there are people who have been saved. By the blood of Jesus. And all the nations of the earth have been blessed through Jesus Christ. Who fulfills the promise of God. Later on, King David came on the scene. And God told David, one of your descendants will rule uh, forever and ever. Uh, Jesus Christ was born of David's line. Uh, He was born, Matthew tells us, he was born of David's line legally through Joseph. As an adopted son. Uh, He was born physically through Mary, as I believe Luke teaches us. Uh, And so uh, Jesus was a descendant of David. Now, Jesus told them that the kingdom of God has come to you, and the kingdom of God is future. You see, there's a kingdom of God right now in the hearts of men and women who put their faith in Jesus Christ, who submit to his lordship in their life. They are part of the kingdom of God. All over the world, those who've trusted Christ and said, Lord, we will follow you, are under his lordship. There's a kingdom of God present right now here on this earth. But the kingdom is also future. One day, Jesus will come back and set his kingdom up on this earth, as the scripture has prophesied. So there's a promise and multiple promises that have been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. God's word shows us that. Um, Also, there are prophecies that have been fulfilled. Look at verse 27. For the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers, since they did not recognize him, or the voices of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled their words by condemning them. Now what what is he saying? He's saying the people didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. The leadership didn't. And so they actually put him to death. And as they put him to death, they were actually fulfilling the words of the prophets that were read every single day. Sabbath day. Now, he also mentions... Uh, he, he, well, let's, let me read through these verses. Verse 28. They found no grounds for the death penalty. They asked Pilate to have him killed. And again, here's this word. When they had fulfilled all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Uh, then look down at uh, verse 32. We ourselves proclaim you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors... God, again, has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising Jesus as it is written in the second psalm. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus has fulfilled scripture. I want to flip with you, if you will indulge me for a second, uh, to Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 13. Now, these words were written hundreds and hundreds of years before... Jesus was born. Matter of fact, when they when they uncovered the Dead Sea Scrolls over there in, in Israel, um, they found this great Isaiah scroll that you can go and see. There's a there's a museum there called the Shrine of the Book, and you can actually go see this ancient scroll that is 200 years uh, before the time that Jesus was born. And these words are written in this scroll, and they're written in your Bible. Uh, Look at verse 13 of Isaiah 52. See, my servant, Jesus, will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted and greatly exalted, just as many were appalled at you. His appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man. Now, this this is a description of how Jesus looked before he was raised. Can I tell you, when they scourged people, it, they, they put bits of glass and bone and, and metal and so forth in there, and it would, it would wrap around the body, and they would yank it, and it would tear off chunks of skin. It would disfigure people. Some people even died from the scourging that took place. He says, he's so disfigured, he didn't look like a man. His form didn't resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle many nations. This is the purpose, and the sprinkling was a sacrificial act. Uh, to bring forgiveness. So he says he'll be raised, verse 13, and greatly exalted. Look in chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. That's what what happened to Jesus. Look at verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. By the way, this was written before crucifixion had even been invented. He was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment... For our peace was upon him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. You remember his silence before Pilate? Uh, Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Then verse uh, 8 says, he was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man and his death. He was there. Uh, in his, his body was probably placed there with the, uh, the, the uh, thieves that were taken off the cross. But then Joseph of Arimathea came and asked for his body and put it in a rich man's tomb, fulfilling this verse. Verse 10 Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a restitution offering. He will see his seed. He's raised, he's resurrected. Verse 11, uh, he will see it out of his anguish and be satisfied. Uh, Verse 12, the second line, he will receive the mighty as a spoil. You know, dead people can't receive anything. Jesus was raised as chapter 52 said he would be. Can I tell you something? This is a specific and remarkable prophecy. Many Jewish people, when they read this this chapter for the first time, realize that it fulfills and looks forward to Jesus so specifically they can't deny it. Can I tell you something? God has given us great reasons in His Word to put our trust in Jesus. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Now, back in Acts chapter 13... If you'll look at uh, verse 33, it says, God has fulfilled this for us by raising Jesus from the dead, as written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says after a time of, of appearances to the, to the people and, and teaching the disciples, he was ascended to the right hand of God where he was given a place of honor and glory. And God says, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And ask of me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance. Can I tell you something? Jesus, just as was prophesied, has been given a place of honor and glory and exalted as the son at the right hand of the father. And one day he's coming back. Now, he goes on and he quotes Psalm chapter 16. He says he won't let his body uh, decay. Uh, Verse 35, my my translation has this in bold print. You will not allow your Holy One to see decay. Jesus did not see decay. Uh, For three days, God preserved him in the tomb, and he was raised uh, to new life. Fulfilling yet another scripture in the process. You ought to put your trust in Jesus because of God's Word. Can I tell you something? People try to deny this scripture. They try to dismiss it and attack it. But there is something about the supernatural power of God's Word. It it comes to pass. It's true. And and, um, what a remarkable thing to see these coming to pass. So uh, not only did God give them promises that were fulfilled, not only did God fulfill prophecies, uh, but also God gave them witnesses. Verse 31 says he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses to the people. How many witnesses were there? Well, let me take a little sidebar here for you, with, us, with you for a second. Uh, suppose you're in a court of law. How many witnesses does it take to condemn someone in a court of law? Uh, I understand that some cases are one just on circumstantial evidence. Sometimes they may have one witness. Sometimes they may have two. Did you know in the Old Testament, the Bible says you've got to have at least two or three witnesses but to condemn somebody to death. So in Jewish law, you'd have to have two or three. How many witnesses saw Jesus raised from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us over 500. Can I tell you something? That's, that's powerful, powerful evidence to the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. Skeptics may say what they will, but no one could produce the body of Jesus. Not the Jewish leadership, not the Romans. All they would have had to do to stop the progress of Christianity was produce the body of Jesus. But it wasn't there because he had risen. God's word gives us great reason to trust in Jesus. He shares with us about the witnesses. Paul says in one of his letters, he says, hey, this stuff wasn't done in the corner. Go ask them about it. Go ask the people who are eyewitnesses. They'll tell you. God's Word gives us great reason to trust in Jesus. By the way, the resurrection of Jesus is also mentioned in in extra-biblical literature. There are people who are even not believers who... Uh, in their writings, the ancient writings testify to the resurrection of Jesus. But but God's word, God's goodness gives you reason to trust Jesus. Can I tell you something? If God can assure what's going to happen tomorrow, can't he take care of you? Isn't that true? We can trust him. You can trust him in the circumstances that you're facing. When you're suffering, you can trust that he has a reason for the suffering that you're going through. Um, he 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 takes care of the needs that we have. He's able to supply those needs. The God who can tell what's going to happen hundreds of years in the future is able to handle what we face in this life. Trust Him. Child of God, trust Him. He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, trust Him. We're not asking you to just trust in what we say. We're asking you to trust the witness of history. We're asking you to trust the testimony of eyewitnesses who saw the risen Savior. I want, you to, I want to tell you something. Christianity is distinguished from every other religion in the world because it has its basis in history. There's historical reason to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, I believe in Jesus Christ because he touched my heart and he drew me to himself and he changed me. But I want to tell you something. God didn't just give us that. He gave us history too. And time and time again, God's Word has been shown to be true as archaeological discoveries are made. So, trust in Christ because of God's goodness. Trust in Christ because of God's Word. And finally, trust in God because of God's forgiveness. Perhaps the greatest words in the Bible are found in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's forgiveness. You see, you and I could not be saved uh, through our own effort. How good do you have to be to get to heaven? You know what Jesus said? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Is there anybody in this room that's perfect? I'm sure not. I'll just go ahead and admit it. I've sinned. Listen, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. in, In Isaiah 53, as we just read it, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Jesus come and die on a cross? He died to be our substitute. He died to take our sin upon himself and pay the price for it to satisfy God's justice. Look with me, if you will, in uh, Acts 13, verse 26. Brothers, sons of Abraham's race, those among you who fear God, the message of this salvation has been sent to us. By the way, those who fear God were Gentiles who were attending the Jewish synagogue. So he said, this is for all of us. Uh, This message of salvation. What are you saved from? Well, one thing you're saved from is hell. The Bible says that uh, those who reject God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ will have no other option, no other way of, of being saved but will have their destination in a lake of fire that burns forever and ever. So, He saves you from hell. But He also saves you from sin's power in your life. He sets you free. Um, This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. His his death as our our substitute, paying the price for our sins, His resurrection uh, to uh, give us power over sin. The Bible says we have the power of the resurrection Within us, as the Holy Spirit comes within us. Uh, This is what Jesus has done in giving us his forgiveness. He's given us salvation. Now, he's given us that, but we have to receive that. Okay? Now, look what else he says. Verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. The Bible says that when a person trusts Christ, God blots out the handwriting that was against them. Every sin, every evil thought, every evil word, every time I failed to do something that I should have done, every time I did something that I shouldn't have done, all of it was in God's record, but when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, he took his divine eraser. (laughs) Whatever that looks like in heaven, I'm not sure what that looks like in heaven, but it's it, it takes care of the problem, whatever it is. And he erased my sin completely. Is that not beautiful? And he doesn't just take care of the sins in the past. He takes care of the sins of the future. Because let's face it, when Jesus died on the cross, I wasn't even born yet. He saw my sin before I ever committed it. Jesus paid the price for it on Calvary so that it could be removed and I could be forgiven and reconciled in a relationship to God. Then, look at what he says in verse 38. Uh, this, through, this man's, uh, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and everyone who believes or trusts in him to save them Uh, is justified from everything you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. What's he talking about there? Well, in the law of Moses, you were blessed if you kept it as a nation. You were cursed if you broke it. So, if I break the law, uh, and it's inadvertent as a Jewish person under the old law, Uh, I would bring a sacrifice. But if I intentionally sinned and did what they called a high-handed sin, there was no sacrifice to be offered, to be cut off from the people. And so under the old law, under the old covenant, I could not be justified for an open high-handed sin. But I can tell you this, under the new covenant, I can the Bible says that justification takes place, so what is justification it's actually a legal term. it means to be acquitted uh, it, and that's one of the ideas that's there in that word and to be acquitted means that everything that i 'm guilty of as I would stand in god 's court, God would acquit me for the sake of Christ. Jesus has paid my penalty for you. Think about it this way. this is uh, what redemption is. Um, Suppose that I had, had gone through a school zone going 80 miles an hour, and I got a ticket, and he said, Okay, you can pay this fine of whatever it is, $150, or you can go to jail. Those are your two options, but, but uh, do you have the money? No, I don't have the money. And so he said, Well, you're going to have to go to jail. Suppose somebody would stand up in that courtroom and say, Okay, I've got a checkbook here. I'm going to write a check for the full amount of what Roger's done. Here's his fee. And he hands it to the judge, and the judge says, Okay, your, your fee has been, paid, has been received, the price has been paid, you're free to go. And so um, that is what Jesus did for you and me. Because he has paid the price for my sin, he was wounded, as we read in Isaiah 53, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Because he did that for us, God can acquit us. And let us go free, and he can be just in doing so. That's what justification is all about. But it's not; it doesn't stop there. Justification also means that it, it means to be made righteous, and it means that I have been given the righteousness of Christ. That God sees me as He sees Christ. Now I'm not perfect. I'm still not perfect. I'm not. I, I've sinned. I fail. But positionally God has given me Christ's righteousness Um, he looked at Christ you remember what the Bible says on the cross Jesus said my God my God why have you forsaken me what was happening on the cross Jesus the perfect innocent righteous son of God now had his fellowship broken on the cross you see Jesus was separated because my sin was placed upon him. I am reconciled because Jesus' righteousness is placed on me. Is that not an awesome thought? I can pray and I can speak directly to God. Why? Because I'm worthy? No, Christ is worthy. And his righteousness has been credited to me. It's as if a millionaire put a million dollars in my bank account and said, now you have this million dollars that's mine. Uh, Go enjoy it. That's what Jesus did for us. He gave us the priceless gift of his righteousness so that we could enjoy a relationship with God. Can I tell you something? That's an awesome, awesome thing. You ought to trust Christ because of God's amazing forgiveness. I love that hymn that says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Hallelujah. It's gone. Trust Christ because of God's goodness. Trust Christ because of God's word. And trust Christ because of God's forgiveness. He will save your soul. He'll wipe your slate clean. He'll give you a relationship with Him. He'll give you the righteousness of Christ as your possession so that you can enjoy fellowship with God. Choose to trust Jesus. God saw your need, and He saw my need, He saw my sin. The Bible says Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be light, there was already a plan for our redemption that he knew He would need. God saw me, and he said, you know what? I love Roger so much, and I love each and every person in this room so much. I choose willingly to send my son. That's an amazing act of grace and goodness. What would it be like for me to take that gift of salvation that God has so graciously given to me and to ignore it, to reject it, and to go my merry way without the forgiveness that God has given us at such a great price? Receive Him today. Trust Him today for all He's done. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the amazing gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Your Your goodness is so great; we can't even really wrap.